Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bible, you can turn to our verse. Today's going to be a really different message. I um, typically take one text, stay inside that text, explain that text word for word, phrase for phrase, verse for verse, sentence for sentence. Today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to try... Uh, to pull something out of the text that hopefully will help you in your walk with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, the Bible says, all these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing close. All the things that we read about in this book are examples for who? Us. They've been written down to warn who? Us, because we're the ones living at the end of the age. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would teach us from your spirit by your word. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that today someone will receive your word in a unique way, God. I pray that you'd speak to your children and do your work your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at our opening text again. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, All these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end, who live when time, who live at the time when this age is drawing close. I'm going to preach to you this morning from a sermon that I have tried to get away from because I did not want to preach it. I was so excited this week studying in our book of the month, 1 Samuel, and I really wanted to talk today about Hannah and Peninnah because I just like to hear people say Peninnah. Let's just say, say Peninnah. That's a Peninnah. Hopefully God will let me do that. God changed my entire focus on the drive-in to church this morning and I am going to be faithful to the Lord. I didn't want to preach this message because um, I have preached this message several times over the last 40 years, um, over the last 20 years um, as pastoring this church. But I don't think I've ever preached this message on a Sunday morning because it's teaching and it requires following along. So hopefully you will follow along this morning. I told God I, I, I really don't want to go here. And he convinced me that there'd be two types of people in the room this morning. There'd be people who had heard this message before that need to hear it again. And the other type would be there are people here who haven't heard this message and need to hear it for the first time. I don't know which group you're in, but I hope that you came to hear what God has to say. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the life of King David. I'm going to talk to you about the life of King David. I've told you many times in the past that if you want what others have, you have to do what they did to get it. And the most interesting person by far in the Old Testament to me is King David. I mean, you, you might say Abraham, 
you, you, might, you might be, you know, for, for the big dog, you might say Goliath. I don't know who you would say is the most interesting, but King David is so unique in the Bible. King David stands out so much in the Bible, and if you study his life, you're going to find out he messed up a bunch. But he was still the king. He messed up a bunch, but he was still anointed. He, he messed up a bunch, but he had some, he had some really strong strengths and some really big weaknesses, and I believe that somewhere in between there is most of us. He loved the Lord. He, he was a great worshiper. He was a great warrior. He had a lot of different uh, events that the Bible tells us about in his life. So I want what David had. Here's what David had. He had closeness to God beyond everyone else. He was so unique in the Old Testament. If you study the Old Testament, you find out that the Holy Spirit would come on someone and then would depart, would empower them momentarily, but then would pull back. In the New Testament, and Jesus foretold this to his disciples before he was crucified, he said, I must needs go away, but I will not leave you comfortless, for the Father will send another comforter, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. Jesus was with them. Now that Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, went to heaven, God sent the Holy Ghost to live inside of us. David is the only person in the Old Testament, the Bible says, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him all the days of his life. He's the only person in the whole Bible who God said, his ways always please me. Now that'll make you scratch your head because some of the things David did were, were not right. But it was the heart of the man who always pulled back to God. I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going to give you part of the punchline right now. If you contrast Israel's first king, King Saul, with Israel's greatest king, King David, the second king, you, you'll find one was big, tall, strong, and good-looking. The other one was small and not much to look at. One, one had a lot going on in the natural. The other one was easily easy to look over. But... The biggest difference is not in their physical anatomy. The Bible says that King Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone else in the land. And that's one thing to be the tallest person in your class. It's, it's one thing to be the tallest person in your family. He was the tallest person in the whole country. And not just tallest, everybody else came to hear. That's, that's that right there. That's five foot tall right there on the, on the number. That's five foot tall right there. Uh, well, Gail said she was five foot and one half inches. She, so maybe, maybe that's five foot and one half inch. But <laughs> you are towering over someone if they are below your shoulder. This man towered over everyone else. He looked the part. He, he, he had everything going for him. But the biggest difference, David, the Bible tells us was small, Saul was big, but the biggest difference was not their size. The biggest difference was the way they responded after failure. The way they responded when God came knocking on their heart. See, Saul was stiff-necked. Saul was going to do what Saul was going to do. And we got people just like that in this room right now. You're going to do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Dance how you want to dance. Play how you want to play. You think that this is the Adams family, but this is the family of God, and we don't get that option. See, David, Saul was stiff-necked. When things weren't going good, he'd just bear down and try harder. 
When, when, he, when he was going in the wrong direction and corrected by God, he just kept plowing ahead. But where Saul was stiff-necked, David was rubber-necked, he'd spin back around to God real fast. See, repentance is this. Repentance is having a change of mind that results in a change of direction. So here's what repentance is. Repentance is we are, we, well, let me show you the life of a Christian. You start off walking toward God. Hallelujah, life's great. I'm so thankful to be saved. Then something happens, and you start walking away from God. You take your eyes off God, but then you get confronted with the facts, the truth. God loves you so much. Why would you be walking away from him? God loves you more than anybody else loves you. The plan that God has for you is a good plan. It's to prosper you. It's to give you hope and a future. And, and you still keep walking, and it might take this. God's going to get your attention one way or the other. If he has to smack you, well, I'm going to go back to God. Then life happens, and then we go back to the world. Then life, and Christians play this ping pong game of serving God, chasing God, chasing the flesh, and it does not prosper them. God said that godly sorrow works repentance not to be repented of. At some point, you want to get off that ping pong table and just keep work, walking toward God. Can somebody say amen? So Saul was stiff-necked, but David was rubber-necked. If you don't hear anything I say today, make sure you hear this. Be more like David when you fall. Turn back to God quickly. Turn back to God quickly. Don't be like Saul. But we're going to be looking at some Davidic parallels this morning. Put those words on the screen for me. Thank you. Davidic parallels. The life of David had many people enter into it. And I want you today to try to think of who those people represent in your life. Some of you have been through this exercise before. Let me tell you something. The names might have changed. The situation may be different. So I want you to try to think through this today. This is more of a teaching uh, study, and that's why I told God. I said, Lord, I don't even preach this on a Sunday morning. This is more of a Wednesday night thing, and he reminded me he knows what he's doing. So this is a gift from God to us. Are you ready? Let's read, let's read our opening verse one more time because I want you to get in your head. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, all these events happen to them as examples for us. Everything that happened in David's life that's recorded in this book is an example to us. So if you're in the us, this is for you today. Look at somebody and say, this is for me. All right, here we go. Let's just jump right off. We're going to go from uh, one through, I'm not going to tell you how many because some of y'all will fall asleep, but it's going to be good. First person I want you to figure out, because here's your assignment today. Now, Wednesday night, I give people homework. On Wednesday night, we have Bible study. We a deep dive into theology. Today, I'm going to let you figure this out as we go through it. You might need to think about it a little bit, uh, but get this. This message will be online. You can always go back and reference it at any point. But number one, who is your Jesse? Now, if you've been reading the book of the month, you probably got to chapter 16 by now. And you, you'll realize that Jesse is somebody in David's life. Now, biologically, he's David's father, but that's not what we're concentrating on today. Think about what Jesse said when Samuel came to him and said, God told me one of your sons is going to be the king. Now, if God came to you right now, 
How many people in the room have more than one son? I have more than one son. Okay, good. So lots of people have more than one son. If God came to you right now and said, one of your sons is going to be the next king of the whole world, would you kind of know which one it was going to be? You'd have an idea. You'd be kind of like, it's my... hey, God will surprise you. Bible says man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Jesse is, is someone in David's life that told him, you can't be it. When the man of God, Samuel, came to Jesse and God t- said, God told me one of your sons is going to be the king, Jesse had it figured out. He's like, well, it's got to be this one. Got to be my oldest. That, that's my ace. That's, that's my number one. He's the best I got. He's the biggest, he's the strongest, he's the oldest, he's the smartest, he's been by my side, he's my go-to boy. God said, no, that ain't him. Well, it's got to be the next one, or the next one, or the next one, or the next one. Quick, uh, quick aside, little side note here. How many sons did David have? Uh, did Jesse have? I've heard seven, three, five, and eight. Okay, well, in 1 Samuel, the Bible show, names eight sons that he had with David being the youngest. But if you look in 1 Chronicles that lists the chronology of families, you'll see only seven sons with David being the youngest. So is it seven or is it eight? And why is the Bible lying to us? You're right about that. The Bible's not lying to us. I've told you for years, if you ever see anything in Scripture that looks like a contradiction of Scripture, keep looking. Because there's never a problem with the Bible. It's only a problem with our understanding. If you study, you'll find out one of those eight sons died without marriage or children between 1 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. And because he didn't have anything of note to list, they just left his name off. Now, I'd be upset. <laughs> I can't even get a mention. You spent a billion chapters, and this one begat that one, and that one begat that one, and they had sons and daughters, and this one begat that one. And Read First Chronicles every now and then. You'll find out that's a lot of begat this and that and the other. Dude got left out. It just is what an IS is. Jesse had at least eight sons with David being the youngest. But here's who Jesse is in your life. Jesse's someone who tells you it can't be you. Jesse's someone who puts you down. Jesse's somebody who makes you feel like that God couldn't even use you. That there's, there's nothing that you could ever do. You can't overcome your current situation or your past because all Jesse was looking at in the life of David was the past. He was too young because the other ones were born before him. He was looking at his present. Ah, uh, he don't do a whole lot. You know, he keeps some sheep for me. Um, he, he's the smallest son I've got. He's just learning to be a man. But God doesn't concentrate on your past. God doesn't concentrate on your present. God doesn't even really concentrate on your future. God just picks who he wants to. And when God says that's the one, then guess what? That's the one. And David was the one, but his own father told him, ah, you'll never do anything big for God. It, it won't be you. When 
Jesse, this is David's dad. And Samuel goes straight down the list. And most of you know the story. He starts with the oldest, works all the way down, and he's like, it's none of them. And Samuel's like, you got to have another one because God said one of your sons is going to be the king. And his dad's like, didn't he want to mention the man? Man, I got one more. He's the run of the family. He's, you know, off, you know, tending some sheep right now. I let him play with little, little lambs and stuff like that. Uh, but surely it ain't him. This might be somebody in your own family that did you this way. Maybe a mother, maybe a father, maybe, maybe uh, whoever it is, somebody in life. And hear me good. If you haven't had this person yet, they're coming. They're coming. Every parallel I'm going to talk to you about, you have a parallel with King David built into Scripture. This is for our example to warn us. And if you don't know who your Jesse is, you either need to think harder or keep looking because Jesse's out there. Jesse's somebody that tells you that you can't be the one. They, 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 they can't believe big things for you. Secondly, who's your Eliab? Now, Eliab, that's, that's, that's number one son. That's, that's, that's the older brother. That's the one who everybody would have looked at and, and thought it was him, but it wasn't. Let me tell you, you might not have an older brother in the natural, but hear about this person in your life. It, it could be a person. It could be an event. It could be a thing. But Eliab represents a brother who used to be with you, but now is mad at you. Somebody that used to call themselves your brother. You used to go to church with this person. You used to hang out with this person. This person used to be on your team, but now they're mad at you. Listen in 1 Samuel 17, 28. It's on the screen. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why came us down? Why are you here, basically? Why came us down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? And then listen to what his brother said to him. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David wasn't coming down there with no ill intent. David wasn't coming down there uh, just to see what was going on. David's father told him, take this food to your brothers in the back. He was just doing what he was told to do. He was at the right place at the right time doing the right thing, but he was still getting falsely accused by people in his own family. Why? Jealous? Why? Bitter? Why? Mad? So there's an Eliab there. That's somebody who used to be with you, but now they are mad at you. And listen, people who used to be with you, but they're mad at you now, let me tell you something. They retell stories with their own spin on it. They retell stories the way they want to retell stories. Some of y'all might have heard this expression before. There, there's always three sides to every story. Your side, their side, and the truth. Now, hopefully, your side and the truth is the same thing. But I can tell you from experience, and I can tell you theologically from the Word of God, People who used to be with you but have now turned on you, they tell the story with their own spin on it. Listen, don't saddle up with Eliab. And don't saddle up with your brother or sister in Christ, Eliab. Deacon West might have an Eliab that is not, not Eliab to me. But once I find out, 
They're making up stuff, telling stories about his life, twisting it their own way, mad at him. Then I got to separate from them. Because the Bible said to withdraw yourself from every brother walking disorderly. And not after the commandment they received of us. Be on the watch for this person. Listen, if Eliab hadn't shown up in your life yet, he's coming. Third person, who is your Samuel? Samuel played an interesting role in David's life when, it, when his family was against him, when, it, when his father was against him, when his brother was against him. When people were telling him what he couldn't do, Samuel comes along to endorse him. Who has God put in your life to endorse you? Who has God put in your life to see good in you? Who has God put in your life to see value, worth, ministry, anointing in your life? Who has God put in your life to be glad that they found you. That, this Samuel is somebody God puts in your life to endorse you. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Bible says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Ouch. Ouch. Now, these seven men had just been lined up by their daddy. Get over here, boys. Stand in line. One of y'all going to be the king. This the man of God. Go ahead. I think it's that one, but, you know, it may be that one. It's not that one? Oh, it's not that one? Uh, it's not this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. These seven men had witnessed this event. They had all been turned down by the man of God. And the Bible says when Samuel anointed him, that he anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went. To Rama. Who is your Samuel? Who is the one who tells you you can do it? Next person. Who is your Goliath? Say Goliath. Now, Goliath might be a who, it might be a what. It might, it might be a person, it might just be uh, an, an issue. But Goliath represents in the life of David and in a parallel way in our life a big problem. Say big problem. This is a big problem. This is a big problem that is harassing you. This is a big problem that is right here. See, some problems are on the back burner. This one's right here. This one won't get away. This one won't let go. This one's screaming and hollering, taunting and, 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 and terrorizing. Who or what is your Goliath? Listen to 1 Samuel 17, 10. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. This is somebody who's looking for a fight. This is somebody who's looking to bring you down. This is somebody who's looking to do you harm. This is somebody that don't loves you no more. Are you hearing me? Never loved him to begin with, but now the battle is on, and this is something that if left alone, without God's help, will kill you, will destroy you, if left unchecked. Who or what? Some of these things may be people. Some of these parallels may be things. I don't know who your big problem is, but I can tell you this. Here's what's funny. I can name off who my, my four are. We're down, to, we're down to number four right now. And many of y'all people in this church will know exactly who they are. I don't know who yours are, but you better figure it out because they're there or they're coming. Number five, who is your Saul? Now, Saul is somebody who's envious of you. 
they thought you were great once. But then when they saw you actually do great things, they started to hate you. Saul, it, it represents somebody in your life that used to want your company, that used to think you were awesome, that used to tell you and other people, that's the one right there. Saul was so happy to send David out to battle because David was a warrior. And David put that wet work in. David got it done, and Saul was like, that's my guy. When Saul had headaches, he would say, send me my guy so he can play that harp and, and get this headache off of me. David was loved by Saul. Saul used to sing David's praises until other people started singing David's praises. And then Saul said, whoo, hold on. He ain't all that. He ain't better than me. He certainly ain't better than me. Look at him. I'm three feet taller than him. I squash him like a cockroach. And there's somebody in your life already, in your past or in your future, who is going to be envious of you, who used to tell you you were great, but now they're jealous. Seth, go out to Children's Church. Good. I can talk about my kids now. They ain't in the room. I talk about them if they were here. They, they, they were born in this church. They've been talked about since they could hear. My kids, of course, I guess it's really talking about y'all from their, from their mindset. I've always told people, because everybody bashes preacher kids, PKs. Oh, you know the worst children in the church are the pastor's kids. Oh, you know the worst kids in the church are the deacon's kids, the elder's kids. Let me tell you why that is. It's not because the pastor, the deacons, or the elders don't know how to raise children. It's not because they did a bad job raising children. It's because those children spent a lifetime seeing raggedy church folk stab mom and daddy in the back. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all looking at the floor right now. These kids got to be put on hold so mom and daddy can do ministry. These kids got to be told just what my kids grew up. In, we, we've had multiple buildings over the 20-year history of our church. My kids grew up sitting in whatever lobby area we had sleeping because daddy got to talk to the people. And they see the people, and, and my kids have told me this. They both told me this individually, and they didn't talk about it beforehand. They both told me this, that they felt this way for years. Let, let me tell you what the, the life of people in ministry, their children go through. My kids have told me for years, and they don't even know about these parallels. Uh, they told me for years, I can't stand it when somebody stands up and says how much they love you and how awesome you are, Dad. I'm like, you don't want them to love me, son? What, you want everybody to think I'm raggedy? And they, and they both said in different ways, but the same speech. Every time somebody's ever done that, it wasn't long before they stabbed you in the back and left and bad-mouthed you to the whole community. And so we rehearsed that. And after they came up with nine or ten different names, I'm like, okay, 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 I got you. I understand. What, what, what do I know? There's souls out there. There are souls out there. They, they come in telling you you're awesome. And that's pretty much been the history of Abundant Life. People come to Abundant Life, and they're like, I like the preaching because it's, it's raw and, and it's real. And he doesn't put on a fake preacher voice. And it's just, it just, the truth is the truth anyhow. And people come in and they tell me, it's, the message is like a, a cup of cold water in a dry place. Uh, we had a pastor here last week said that you don't get preaching this way in most of the places he goes to. And that's, that's just, it is what it is. 
And people are like, oh, man, I just love the preaching. It's, it's, it's just it's straight truth, no chaser. It's real, it's raw, it's relevant, it's right there at you. It's, like, it's refreshing. And then some months go by, and the reason why it's refreshing to them is because they had somebody sitting with them, husband, wife, child, neighbor, who they were thinking, yeah, say that, pastor, say that to them. Tell, oh, I'm so glad they're here to hear this. But about the time they realize that's for them too, about the time I say something that, 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 that you know, touches their bruised area, because the Bible says that this word of Scripture is a rock, that, that if you fall on it, it'll bruise you. But if you don't, it'll, it'll fall on you and crush you. And about the time I say something that, 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 that touches a sensitive area in their life, then they're like, I don't know who he thinks he is. Maybe I don't want to go here no more. I'll take my ball and go play somewhere else. What happened to the refreshing? Was it too real, raw, and relevant for you? Was it too straight truth? You, oh, you could. Now, what, what was a cup of water that refreshed them, now they feel like it's a cup of water I'm throwing in their face. But here's the reality. Some of y'all have been here 10, 15 years and longer, and you know the preaching is the same as today as it was then. The preaching that you stood up and said, oh, it's awesome, I love it, this is a place God has for me. That ain't changed a bit. What changed is, what changed is, it hit you square between the eyes, and you didn't want to deal with it. Ooh, I better keep moving. Because y'all know me, I'm equal opportunity offender. Mm-mm. I'm an equal opportunity offender, and, and I am an all-president defender. People keep leaving abundant life over politics. Listen, all right, we, we started this church with a concept of let's, let's just agree to love each other in spite of our differences. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. I had so many friends quit me and leave the church when President Obama was the president because I kept telling them, and some of y'all were here way back then, I kept telling these people, I, I don't deal with these, and, and some of y'all are these people, and if you leave, you just, you know, I'll send you a tattoo with Saul written on it. These people that was, he's not my president. And that just irritated me so much, I just had to go for the juggler on it every time. He is your president. Barack Obama is your president. You know why? Because he's the president. And, and they're like, it don't mean he's my president. Yes, it does mean he's your president. And, and I tell them this, and some of y'all know the answer. Why was Barack Obama the president of the United States? Because God wanted him to be. Because God wanted him to be twice. And if you don't like that, then just you can get glad the same pants you got mad in. It is what it is. The Bible says all authority is ordered by God. So, you know, a bunch of stiff uh, right-wingers, conservative types, they had to go find a church that, you know, hated everything that they hate. Do you see a problem with what I just said? You can't hate a human being and go to heaven. The Bible says that you can't love a God you've never seen if you don't love your brother who you do see. So then, because I'm equal opportunity, I'm going to just tell the truth. The Bible says the word is a two-edged sword. I'm going to tell you the truth on the left and on the right. When Donald Trump became president, then a lot of people are like, I ain't with orange. Impeach 45. Mm -mm, can't no orange man be my president, not with all that hatred. I don't go for a racist president. And then, so, got all that speak. So, I finally had to just rise up and let them know. Y'all want to know why Donald Trump's the president? 
Only once. Y'all missed it. <laughs> Donald Trump was the president of the United States because God wanted him to be the president. Now you got Joe Biden in there. And, and uh, I tell you, I, I'll answer for you. God, Joe Biden's president, God wanted to be the president. I think he's also the president because God knows I love memes and gaffes. And if you ever really want to see something funny, listen to that man talk. y'all see what the president of Mexico said about Kamala Harris two days ago? Declared her president of the United States. He called her president through their whole meeting. Now think about it. Here's a woman that when there were 17 Democratic challengers trying to get the nomination, guess who got outed first with only 3% of the vote and less than 20% of the vote in her home state? Nobody even wanted her to be the president, but I told y'all. Now, my time frame's running out because I told y'all, as soon as Trump got out of office, coronavirus would go away, magically. And I told y'all, within six months of Joe Biden, didn't I say it? And I, and I said, within six months of Joe Biden being declared the president of the United States, they're going to run him out and put Kamala up in there. Didn't I say it? Oh, if you don't see it coming, you haven't listened to Joe. The thing of the thing on the, oh, come on, man. But the Constitution of the we, the whatever it says, it, this man can't finish a sentence unto himself. And the Mexican president was so excited that Kamala came to speak to him instead of Joe Biden. But here's the reality. With his non-together, he's slipping, y'all. Find somebody that's 78 years old has been doing the same job for 47 years. They're slipping, too. So it's just a matter of time before uh, Joe's gone and Kamala is the president. But guess why Joe Biden is the president of the United States right now? God wants him to be. When he gets out and Kamala Harris becomes the president of the United States, oh, we're gonna have, I'm going to have a whole new group of people want to leave the church. Mm. Mm. Get that stank look in your face. Not my president. Yes, she will be. She raised her right hand and gets sworn in. Listen, I'm equal to opportunity offender. And that's why there's so many Saul's out there. They're like, oh, I used to like Pastor Scott, but uh, I, I just couldn't take what he said about Trump. Well, the Bible says if, if I've offended you, you ought to come to me and let's talk about it. I don't think he should have called our president orange. I didn't invent that term. I'm just saying what I heard on television. Let me keep moving. Some y'all, some y'all already tattooing yourself, Saul, right now. Thought, thought, thought I was a real preacher, but mm, no, nah, mm, no, 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 no. Number six. I love this dude. Who is your Jonathan? Who is your Jonathan? See, Jonathan was Saul's son. And Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne. Jonathan should have been the king, but Jonathan loved David and wanted to help David become the king. Where are you going to find somebody like that? Jonathan loved David, and he knew God wanted David to be the king. And Jonathan loved him so much. Listen, Jonathan is that person who really loves you and has your back. They're okay with you being the main man. And they just want to help you succeed. They're so okay with you 
getting the, the, getting, uh, the main job, that they're willing to help you get it, even when it should have went to them. Because that's what God said. I got to believe Jonathan was bigger than David. Probably stronger. I don't think they wanted to fight, though. Don't let size fool you in a fight. But Jonathan loved David so much that when everybody else turned against David, because there were times David was fearing for his life, hiding in caves. The whole world was after him. There were times where he was sitting on the throne rejoicing, ruling the whole world. But when others were after him, Jonathan still had his back. Oh, I hope you got a Jonathan out there. Good news for you. If you don't have one, God will send you one. Just keep living. Number seven. Ooh, I don't like this one. Who is your, don't even have the right kind of name, Michael. It's a woman. Uh, hopefully she pronounced it McCall or Michal. Uh, but who is your Michael? Now, who, who does this represent? Now, this is David's wife. It's one of David's wives. David had at least eight wives that we know of and a whole lot more that we don't know of. Um, tough for that brother to get a job preaching today, wouldn't it? Maybe not. <laughs> we had a man in Jacksonville, Florida, go to prison for, for sex crimes against 14-year-olds in his church. The week, it wasn't the first week, the second week he was out of prison, half the members of the church he was at helped him launch his brand-new church. So, I guess David could get a job preaching somewhere if he was good at it. This is David's wife. This doesn't have to represent your wife, your spouse, your significant other. This doesn't have to represent someone you're in an intimate relationship with. But this is somebody who's seen you naked and doesn't believe that your love for God is real. This is somebody who's seen the ugly you. How many of y'all know people come to church, this, this, this is the best they can do? You know, people come to church, we can, you put their best foot forward. How, how many people believe there, there are people in this room that cuss like a sailor outside these doors, but they leave all that cussing outside? Well, don't raise your hand so fast. We know it's you. <laughs> Amen. I wasn't going to call your name. You're in the dead back. Nobody was talking to you but me. We come to church. We put our, we, 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 you know, we put our church. Well, I come in jeans. I don't know what you came in. But we put on our best church clothes, our best church mindset. We, hallelujah. What do you think that does to children, man? They're like, who is this person talking to this preacher? Well, I just heard my dad just cuss somebody out for breathing. Michael represents somebody who's seen your worst. Who's seen your dirt? Who has seen you not loving God? And because they saw that, they don't believe that your love for God is real. Now let's let's, let's think about this for a minute. Does anybody in here love God for sure? All right. Uh, of the people that said that they do, is there a bad event in your life that you don't want us to show on the screen right now? Everybody has that. Everybody's got dirt. P Peter denied Jesus three times. 
with profanity, invoking a curse on himself. Abraham, I told you all about Abraham. Abraham went the worst way possible. Abraham, father of all three major religions in the world. Christians call Abraham the father of the faith. Jew, uh, Hebrews call Abraham the father of their faith. And Islam calls Abraham the father of their faith. Abraham talked about a lot in the Bible. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I've taught you guys the law of priority listening. The first thing mentioned is usually the most dominant thing. The God of Abraham. Abraham's big. He's big time. He's major. But do you think he had a few slips? Now, I hope most of what we do are slip-ups, trip-ups. Um, my man plotted out a scheme. Now, I want you to go find this story in the Bible. Abraham, was he was, he was nomadic. He was traveling place to place. He's coming up on this one place, and here's what their custom was. If there was a good-looking woman coming to the city, all the men took her at one time. That's not a city women want to live in. Shouldn't be a city man want to live in. But that was what they did. They just, the whole city took their turn with her. And here's what Abraham did. How would you like to have this man looking out for you, ladies? He said, look, babe. Brothers, we're going in to see him right now. They, they, they're going to all rape you. That's just what they do. And I can't fight all of them. But they won't rape you if they know you're married. They only rape single women. And if we tell them that I'm your husband, they're probably going to kill me. And they're going to rape you. Either way, you're getting raped. So just tell them that I'm your brother, and then that way they can rape you, and I don't have to fight for, for you. How many women want to sign up for that dude? How many people believe that story I just said is in the Bible? It's in the Bible, ain't it, Carolyn? That story is in the Bible. I mean, wow. Wow. I don't know what bad you got in your closet. I don't know what you did that you don't want played on the screen. I don't, I don't know what dirt uh, pe people have seen you do, but wow. <laughs> that's, that's deep. That's, that is out there. That is, that is just abandoning his position as a husband. But anyway, everybody's got dirt on them. Everybody's done wrong. That's why Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus came to save sinners. When he told people that I didn't come for righteous people, I came for sinful people. Some of those people were so arrogant and, and, and filled with pride, they thought, oh, well, he didn't come for me then because I'm righteous. He wasn't even saying that there was righteous people. He was including them and everybody else as sinners because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, just because she knew David's dirt didn't make his praise fake. Now, this is problematic for people in a family that come to a church because what if mama's just been ra just, just, just raging all week long? Just mad, just in her flesh, cussing everybody out, slamming every door, breaking every dish. Just on a rampage. And then she comes to church and smiles and hugs everyone. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You look good today, sister. And in praise and worship, she's all, oh, Jesus, I love you, love you. This could cause, can you see how this might cause somebody? Put the stank eye on her and what? Listen, she might have decided when she walked in this door, 
she was going to get right with God and give God something worth, even though all y'all been driving her crazy all week long, she decided when she come to church, she's going to praise and worship God. And that's all right. Don't think that because you know them. And this happens to every young Christian at some point in their life. People look at you, especially if you used to be out there. They look at you like, mm, yeah, well, he's going to church now, but I know him. That ain't going to last. Oh, she's going to church now. I know her. That's my girl from back in the day. I can't even tell y'all what we used to get into. And it's what they think and it's what they say. Because what they know is the bad side of us that they choose to focus on. And this is who Michael represents. Listen to what she said to David on one of David's greatest days ever as a human being. On one of his most rejoicing days ever. Bringing the ark back into the city of David. In 2 Samuel 6, 20, the Bible says, Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious, some versions say, how foolish was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. David stripped off his kingly gear and got down to his working man clothes. Because he didn't want to be the king when he was in the presence of the ark. He just wanted to be a worshiper. And he wasn't going to do anything to take the glory off of God. And she didn't love God enough to understand any of that. In verse 21, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. She's like, oh, you out there in that tank top trying to look good for them girls. She's evil. Oh, you're probably about to cheat on me again. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But he said, I, it was before the Lord which chose me, before thy father and before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. Now, that word play is a reference to worship. It's a reference to give everything I have to God. And verse 22 says, and I will yet be more vile than this. And I will be base in my own sight, and of the maidservants which I have spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Michael was Saul's daughter. She grew up in the king's house. She got married off to David. Now she's still in the king's house, but she expects the king to act a certain kind of way. And when she saw David worshiping God with his whole heart, she didn't like it. And she wanted to doubt it and think it was fake because she knew dirt on him. Don't think that the dirt you know on somebody means that their love for God's not real. Because there's dirt on everybody. Uh, I wish y'all could get it, but I can't stay with this one thing. We got to keep moving. Number eight, who is your Bathsheba? Or what is your Bathsheba? Now, Bathsheba is anything that takes your focus off God. It's anything that, that just kind of draws you in. There are people in this church that love the Lord. But when a good-looking woman walks by... They got that. There are people in this church that love the Lord, but when an attractive man walks, what, I don't know what your issue There are people in this church that when they get around somebody else, they won't stop gossiping. Why? Because that's that big thing. That's that big problem. That, that, that's what takes their focus off the Lord. What, what is your Bathsheba? What is it that takes your focus off of God and drags you into doing something 
that will not honor God. Listen to 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at a time when kings go forth to battle. Did you hear that last phrase? When kings go forth to battle. David was the king. Where should he have been? Yeah. He wasn't, though. Get in trouble when you're not in your place. That David said to Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. Dude's already in bed. He should have just went to sleep. He arose off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now, the Bible doesn't say it, and you shouldn't speculate too much on the Bible, but I'll just throw a guesstimate at you. He probably walked on his roof before. You've probably walked around your yard before. You probably know what the person that lives next to you looks like. You probably might know the person across from you, around you. I don't know how your neighborhood is, but I'm pretty sure he knew this fine sister lived across the way. He wasn't getting up out of bed to go drink some iced tea up in the cool of the, of, of the day. He had people fanning him for all that. He didn't need no air conditioner. He had, he had slaves fanning him all day long if he was hot. I believe he got up out of bed. Let me go see if that, oh, there she is. Bathsheba drew his focus, took his eyes off God. Doesn't have to be sexual. Doesn't have to be a woman. Could be anything in your life. For, for men, very, very easily, this could be sports. This, this, this could be you, you, rush, rushing away from church. Some, some men come to church, they're so fired up. Finally got tickets to the 1 o'clock game in Jacksonville. They, they came to church because their wife said, I'll divorce you if you don't go to church with me today. And the whole time, they're clock watching. Baby, if he don't shut up, I got to go. John, John and them down there tailgating already. They, they, they already blind drunk. It could be sports. It could be anything that takes your focus off God. Ladies, it could be your children. Your children could be your Bathsheba. You, you, you could focus more love and attention on your children than you do on God. I don't know what it is for you, but you need to figure it out because Bathsheba's out there. Number nine, feel bad for this dude, Uriah. Who is your Uriah? Now, Uriah was whose husband? Bathsheba's husband. Uriah was awesome, and Uriah loved the king. And Uriah was good at his job. And Uriah was out fighting. Left his wife at home. Didn't expect the king who had hundreds of... You all want to know what, the, what, what modern day translations say for concubine? Sex slaves. Had hundreds of sex slaves living in the palace with him. Had wives and fake wives all the way around him. But Uriah didn't imagine that the king living across the street was going to be peeping out his wife across the rooftop. Uriah's just minding on his business. See, Uriah represents a good person whose life got messed up because of you. He represents a good person who you did something 
that caused them to suffer when they weren't to blame. Mm. Be easy with your right. You live long enough, you stay in ministry long enough, you're going to have your right. Pastor Scott, do you have anybody named Uriah in your life? I do. And if I could turn back time, and if I could unoffend everybody that I ever offended, and if I could undo every wrong that I ever did, I would gladly do it. But the problem with Uriah, he ain't there no more. Who is that person's life got messed up because of you? Number 10, who's your Nathan? Now, Nathan was the man of God at this time who spoke to David and gave David counsel, gave David advice. Well, Nathan represents to you the man of God who you let get in your business and correct you. Very few people will allow another human being to correct them because most people are too filled with pride to believe that God could use a human being to bring correction. Well, God has commanded all pastors to reprove, rebuke, teach, correct, and exhort. And that's why I tell you all the time what the Bible says. If you correct a foolish person, they will hate you. But if you correct a wise person, they will love you. Wise people learn from correction. Foolish people get mad. And they go take their ball and play somewhere else. Well, David has had sex with Bathsheba. Said, go get that girl off that roof. Tell her she's with me tonight. Whether she wanted to or not, we don't know. But she didn't have a choice because he was the king. And that's how it went in those days. Then he has Uriah killed out in the field of battle viciously. Made all the troops pull back from him, leave him out there and get killed. Now, Nathan comes up on David, and he tells a story. He said, there's a story about a man he had lots of sheep, and there was another man that only had one sheep. And the man with lots of sheep decided, I want that one that I don't have, too. Get me that one. What should, what should be done to a man like that? And David got all religious and high-minded. He said, that man should be killed. That man should be put to the death. That man is evil. And Nathan said, you're that man. Oh, man, when you can't say amen, say ouch. That was right at David's neck. He had all those women he could have chose from, but he decided, I'm going to go get what ain't mine. I'm going to take it. He messed up Uriah's life. Now Nathan comes along, and he corrects. This is so unusual that he would speak to the king this way because in those days you were executed for even talking to the king without an invitation. And you always had to be careful what you said because they, they had henchmen there to kill you. It, I mean, we, we have an expression that's not used much. I can't even remember the last time it was used, but I used to hear it a lot when I was, when I was a kid. People just say, off with his head. Off with his head. And that was real back in those days. But Nathan came and corrected David, and David took it. And that's why we have Psalm 51 recorded in the Bible, his repentance. Because he was faced with the truth, and he chose to turn back to God. But who is your Nathan? Do you have anybody that you're willing to let open up God's word and speak to you? I don't need, I've had people tell me, I don't need a pastor. Me and God got it all worked out. Which God? Because if you got it worked out with the God of this book, this book says you need a pastor. Read Ephesians chapter 4. 
You can't be who you need to be without one. Who is your Nathan? Number 11, I'm almost done. Hang in there. Who is your Absalom? Who is your Absalom? Now, Absalom represents someone you help make them who they are. And now they're out to get you. Absalom in the natural was David's son. So David definitely helped make Absalom. But I'm not even talking about it in a biological realm. Deacon Jimmy preached two weeks ago here, a week or two ago here on Sunday morning. I, was, wasn't, I wasn't here. He preached in my stead. I poured oil on his head. I laid hands on him, anointed him, ordained him an elder in the Lord's church. Use him for examples all the time. Y'all hear me talk about uh, our, our great friendship and how much uh, I rely on him. When I'm not in the room and he has the microphone, you know he can say anything he wants to say? Hopefully you'd tackle him off the stage. <laughs> if he just, act like everybody in here, if he just went off on me, you just going to sit there and let him hold my microphone and just slamming me into the dirt? You'd tackle him right off the stage, getting him off his feet, bounce his head all the way out to, to, to Firestone. We believe in laying on of hands. He could have said anything he wanted to say. And there have been many people in the history of this church that the only reason anybody knew their name was because I made them a deacon or I made them elder or I said good things about them from the pulpit. And here's the thing. It's that person that you help their reputation go up that people will believe when they try to drag you down. Absalom was content. Uh, uh, he, 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 was, he was desperate to bring David down. Why? He wanted David's job. He wanted to be the boss. He wanted to be the king. So listen to what Absalom started doing. And I see people do this all the time. I can name you some Absaloms. It's a long list. Some of them are in the room. 2 Samuel 15, 6 says, And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And on this manner, what manner? Well, if you read the verses before that, you'll find out people would come to the king to settle disputes. And it's like Judge Judy. Y'all ever watch Judge Judy or Judge Roy? They, the little dude interviews them when they come out, and what you think about the verdict? Ah, I knew it. I justified. Uh, and the other was like, verdict was junk. It's all lies. Judge Judy don't know what she's doing. She's old. She, 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 uh, and so one side's happy, one side is mad when, when they leave the courtroom like that. So Absalom was sitting out in the courtyard looking for the ones that David ruled against. You're right, you're wrong. Oh, Absalom's like, write that dude's name down. What's that? Adinamaptita Bob? Write that name down. And he would go, he, he, was, he would slide up beside him like, yo, man, if I was the king, I'd say you're right, and he's wrong. For real? I say, I like you, man. I, I am right. And he was catering to the people. He was whispering in their ear. He was pulling them aside, telling them, you know what? David's lost it. He's my daddy, and I love him, but he ain't the man he used to be. 
You know, ever, ever since he went through this, that, and the other, he's, he's all right now. Oh, I, I could just call out some names for you right now. People have said all that about me. I'm telling you, these parallels are in your life. And if they're not there yet, they're going to be there. And Absalom stole the heart of the people because he was so full of himself, he thought he could do a better job than the man that brought him into the world. I don't know who your Absalom is, but they're out there. Number 12, who is your Ahithophel? Oh, I don't like this, dude. But I could name you a whole list of them. Ahithophel is somebody that used to be your friend that stabbed you in the back. They wrote a song about Ahithophel. They smile in your face. When all the time they want to... Is that backstabbing? Ahithophel is a backstabber. The bad news about Ahithophel being a backstabber is this dude was David's ace. Listen to what the scripture says in Psalm 55. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. He's like, man, if it was, some, if it was one of them other people over there, I, I could have took that. If, it, if they were the one attacking me, but I, I, I've been through that. He said, neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hidden myself from him. He's like, man, you know me. I'll go hide in a cave. I, I fade trouble. I can lay low till it blows over. Verse 13 says, but it was thou, a man my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked into the house of God in company. We were, we were together. We were like this. And, and you're the one who's starting all this ruckus. You're the one betraying me. <laughs> my. Listen, when haters hate and you know they're haters in advance, you're just considered a source. When somebody that you've shared all your business with hates, wow, that's a real knife to the back. Dave said, I could have took it if it had been anybody but you. Oh, watch out for Ahithophel. He's out there. But the next guy's coming to your rescue. Who's your Hushai? If you don't have a Hushai, be on the lookout. Hushai's out there, and Hushai... Is, is, is a good dude to have in your pocket. You read about Hushai in, in uh, Samuel, and he's a guy that listens to the enemy's plans and then comes and tells you. Because the devil only has a few strategies, because the Bible says the trouble that is in you is in your brethren throughout the world, because the devil keeps working these same old tired games, leaders catch on to it. The devil loves gossip. The devil loves to get people upset, ticked off, pointing fingers. And because I know that, I've enlisted the aid of quite a few Hushais in this room. Hushai is somebody that listens to your scheme, listens to you throwing shade on me, listens to you throwing shade on Elder Jimmy or Elder Keon or anybody else. And they're not really gossiping. You think they're gossiping because they look like they're gossiping. But you know what? They're just coming back to me telling them, oh, they're up to it again. 
What happened? Well, so-and-so said such-and-such, and such-and-such said so-and-so. Study the life of Hushai. Hushai, when David got bumped off and Absalom took the throne, he walks in on Absalom, and Absalom's like, what you doing here? Why ain't you over there with your friend? He's like, no, dog, I'm with y'all. He said, I only serve David because God made him the king. Now you're the king, I'm going to serve you. Bet, well, let's talk about it. And then he went to David and said this, this, and this. And this is how it's going to come down. Be careful, gossiper. You might be gossiping to Hushai. You might be scheming and scamming to the wrong person who's going to let me know. Well, I ain't scared of you. I don't want you to be scared of me, but you do know I will greet you with the word of God. And you better be scared of God. Last one. Number 14. Who is your God? On surface, everybody ought to say, that's obvious who my God is. I'm a Christian. Mm. Sitting in a church building don't make you a Christian. No more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. There's more to it than that. See, God, when, when I say who is your God, whatever takes your time, energy, money, whatever you enjoy the most in life, that's the thing that you worship. What do you worship? What, what, what eats up all your attention? What eats up all your time? One preacher said it this way, if you show me your expenses over the last 90 days, I can tell you what you love the most. What do you spend money on? Amazon Prime. Listen, if you get more than one delivery to your house every 90 days, you just got a shopping problem. Oh, got my new purse today from Amazon Prime. How many purses you got? 117. Oh, my new shoes came in today from Amazon Prime. How many pair of shoes you got? 700. Three women in a room like, see, at least I don't have 700. <laughs> y'all think I don't hear y'all. What do you spend your time, your energy, your effort on? That's a good indicator of where your heart is because the bible says where your treasure is there your heart will be also now that's not to say everybody that gives to the lord is saved either some people just know lost or saved i know people who are lost know that they're lost told me that they're lost but make sure every week their wife puts money in the bucket because they know that giving thing works and it does so who is your God? I'm going to wrap this up and we're done. Tell you what to do with these people when you come across them. Maybe you came across them already. I want you to know what to do with them now. Maybe it's in your past. Maybe it's in your future. But they're there. Don't be mad at Jesse. Jesse said you can't ever do anything for God. You ain't the one. Don't be mad at Jesse. Just know God determines who he's going to use and who he's not. Jesse don't get a vote in what God wants to do with your life. Don't be mad at Eliab. Civil rivalries, sibling rivalries bound to happen. Brothers and sisters fight in the natural. They fight inside church. Don't be mad at him. He embarrassed you in front of all your friends, in front of the whole town. Told you to go mind those few little sheep you got. I know your heart is evil, but don't be mad at him. 
Bitterness will kill you. That root of bitterness holds on so long, it's only going to drag you down. The next one we talked about, Samuel. Thank God for your Samuel. Your destiny is linked to that person. That person that recognized giftedness in you, that person that made a place for you, that person that said you can be the one, stay with them. Kill Goliath. Kill Goliath. Don't just wound him. This is where most people mess up. That big enemy, that big, that, that, that big harassment, that, that thing that represents Goliath in your life, most people just want to hit it in the head with a rock, knock it down, and, and, and leave it there. No. Many of you know the story. David didn't just knock him out with a, with a rock. He went over there, pulled Goliath's own sword out, and chopped his head off. And that sword was heavy for a little guy. But he kept chopping away till he had that head right here. And that's what you need to do to your Goliath. You need to stomp it out, kill it dead, and be done with it. What about Saul? Don't hate Saul. He hates me. Don't hate anybody. There's always going to be envious people in the world, and they're always going to seek to harm the people that they feel like are getting over. Next one, thank God for Jonathan. Oh, you get a Jonathan in your life. Thank God for Jonathan. If you've got a, if you've got a, if you're a man and you've got a man that you can talk to about your stuff and he loves you and wants your best for you, thank God for that kind of dude. If you're a woman and you've got a sister in Christ who loves you and wants the best for you, thank God for her. Jonathans are rare, but they're out there. Next, don't let Michael stop you from praising God. Don't let Michael stop you from praising God. We've had people date in our church and break up. One leave and the other one stay. I'm like, well, why'd you leave? Why'd you make that one leave? I just don't feel right worshiping in the same room with them anymore. You know what that's code for? We were shacking up. He had seen all my business, done all. I'm like, don't let anybody stop you from praising God, no matter how much dirt they have on you. Christians fall down and we get up. Evil people try to keep looking at us as being down, but God looks at us as being up. Next one, stay away from Bathsheba. Whatever it is that's pulling you away from God, whatever it is, that big stumbling block for you, just, just avoid it. Don't go down that road no more. Stay away from that. Get away from it. Get far away from it. There's Uriah. Don't hurt Uriah. I don't think anybody sets out to wound an innocent victim. I know I never have. But it happens in life. Be careful not to hurt Uriah. Always listen to Nathan. Don't be one of those foolish people that won't take correction. Hear what God is saying. And turn back to God. Watch out for Absalom. Somebody's always bucking for your position. Watch out for Absalom. They're just evil-hearted people out there. Then there's this guy, Ahithophel. Close friend. Somebody you confided in. And they hurt you. When Ahithophel, when Ahithophel hurts you, Lean on God. You don't have your best friend to lean on anymore. Lean on God. 
Find a Hushai. Find somebody that the enemy's foolish enough to speak in front of that can tell you the plot and the plan. And last, I asked, who is your God? If your God is church, religion, theology, facts and information, then you need to trade that in. If your God is trying to be a good person so people will see how good you are, trade that in. The only God there is is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. Is your God the Father of Jesus Christ? Well, I just believe that all roads lead to heaven and good people get in. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says there is a narrow road and few the be that find it. I hope you have found a real relationship with the true and the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you haven't, I've got great news for you today. The Bible says that if you'll search for Him with your whole heart, you'll find Him. That's why some people walk in aisle, pray a prayer, and say they got saved, and it takes for some and doesn't take for others. Because it's not in the walking an aisle, it's not in the praying the prayer, it's not in the signing the back of a card. It's where you really being serious with your whole heart. God told Jeremiah, you'll only find me when you search with your whole heart. Some of you need to get a real relationship with the true and living God. We saw 11 people in this room at the, at the memorial service Tuesday night, pray to receive Christ. There's at least 11 people in this room that need to pray to receive Christ. Do you know for sure that you are truly born again? I'm not asking if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if, if you play church games. Do you know for sure that you're born again? If not, the Bible says if you'll just call on him, he'll save you. Now, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm not going to have a public invitation today, but I'm going to say this. If you want to get saved today, ask God to save you, and he will do it. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would help us to treat people right. Help us, God, to keep our focus on you. Father, I pray you'd fill us with your spirit and use us to advance your kingdom, God. I thank you for each person who is here today. And God, I pray for every Christian in the room that you would take them deeper in their faith. And for every lost person, God, I pray that you would draw them by your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.